I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Welcome to Organize Chaos. Take a page out of other business leaders' playbooks and get candid advice from Chris Ronzio. People, processes, productivity, and how to organize your life around it all. Another super insightful session from Trainual's Playbook 2020 event was all about the art of systemization and tweaking processes to improve your operations so you can stay ahead of your competition. Today's episode is part one of four where Chris introduces three leaders from some of today's fastest growing companies. You're going to hear from Josh McIntyre, head of revenue operations at Grammarly, Margaret Kim, who is the director of strategy and operations at Elevist, and Cameron Harold, the founder of COO Alliance. So we're going to move into probably my favorite topic of the day, which is process and operations. And I might be biased as a process freak, but I'm super excited for this one. Now, it's called The Art of Systemization and Tweaking Processes. And I know some of you listening are thinking, oh, processes, this isn't the fun thing in business. But for a lot of small businesses, this is what stands in the way of scaling. And it's a huge piece of what could be missing in your business. And so if you want to be able to respond to change, to increase your efficiency and to stay competitive as you're growing, then definitely take notes in this session. It's why we started Trainual. And so we're going to dig in. We're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about business model changes, about how to stay consistent with your processes, your roles, your responsibilities, managing change, automation, all of that stuff. And we'll see where the conversation takes us. So today we've got three amazing panelists participating. First, we've got Cameron Harold, founder of COO Alliance and former COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, along with the author of some of my favorite books. What's up, Cameron? Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, buddy. Thanks for being here. Next, we've got Josh McIntyre. Josh is head of revenue operations over at Grammarly. And without him, everything I'm reading off of would be spelled incorrectly. So what's up, Josh? Thanks for the plug there. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me. I love your software. Awesome. I think everyone does. And then we've also got Margaret Kim, director of strategy and operations at an investing platform for women called Elevest. Hey, Margaret. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. All right. So if you couldn't tell in my intro, I'm excited to talk process. And so we did our best to pull questions that would be appropriate for each of you. Um, but if you've got something to add, just dive in because we want to hear from uh, from whatever you've got to say. So if there was ever a time to be flexible with process and operations and have to be understanding as things are evolving, I guess it would be 2020. So I, I want to hear quickly from each of you, just, just kind of what, what you had to grapple with this year. So let's go back. March, February, March comes around, COVID hits. You're either scrambling to expand operations or contract operations. How do you wrap your head around the job that needs to be done? Why don't we go first to, to Cameron? Sure. Um, well, we actually had to do both. So we were going through some very rapid growth and some really good transition with the CO Alliance back in January, February, March, had three of our biggest months in a row. Um, we're growing quite fast, um, quite successfully. All of our members were really, really happy, like an 86% net promoter score. And then we hit a brick wall because our entire model 
was running live events for second in commands from all over the world. And they would come into three events a year in either Scottsdale or Vancouver. Can't really do that live event thing. So we tried bringing our model online and it, you know, it worked okay. But when your net promoter score drops from 86 to 40, I started paying attention a little bit thinking that we can't really force people into doing two and a half day events online. We really had to, to change things. And I'm also a bit of an entrepreneurial CEO. I've always been on the entrepreneurial side of, of operations. So I just went and asked my clients. I asked all of our members. I went and talked to five of our current members and five of the founding members of the CEO Alliance. And I asked them what they would create if they had to create a brand new model in today's landscape. And they actually gave me all of the core parts of what we now call the CEO Alliance 2.0. We relaunched in September. And now our growth is probably double or triple even what it was back in January, February, and March. So we've, we've been adding clients now from Africa and Europe and um, from Australia. So really, really interesting model and just was working. So it was just about being adaptable, but really listening to my clients. Wow. Such a good point. Uh, if you just ask your customers, what would you still buy now? Or what do you want now that's different? Then we can all adapt. How about you, Margaret? What's this year been like? So we were actually about to launch a new money membership right before COVID. Um, and so we were essentially shifting our entire business model. Um, you introduced all of us as an investing platform for women. We are now a full money suite, including investing, banking, career and coaching services. Wow. Um, so of course, as the country went into lockdown back in March, uh, we saw one that the pandemic was disproportionately impacting women. Um, and of course, it was a scary time to be totally changing your business model. So we took the time to pause and evaluate what our community needed um, and, and looked at our mission, which has always been to get more money into the hands of more women and realized that, you know, it's more important now really than ever, you might have heard the term she session, how this pandemic um, really impacts women. So uh, we decided to double down on what we were doing, but not just double down in the same direction. We made some pivots where, you know, we we're about to launch some paid coaching and learning sessions. Instead, we offer them to the community, to the public for free. And we changed the topics to be more timely. So things like um, how to budget during a recession, what to do if you lost your job, how to uh, network remotely. And so just really, you know, thinking about what we can do to support women and our community um, during this really interesting and, and turbulent time. And it ended up being that moving to this new model um, really made sense during this time and, and during this challenging, um, you know, questionable time for everyone. Yeah, and so you mentioned launching this new subscription service. Was it about, you know, pre-COVID, -pre was it about revenue channel diversification or what is it? Was that the plan? Yeah, so our pivot was really hand in hand with offering more products. So taking it from just an investing platform that was, um, you know, traditionally assets under management base to now offering banking, learning, career services, et cetera. So tons of different um tons of different offerings. So the subscription model allows us to really be more transparent and clear about the pricing we offer. So it starts from a dollar and goes all the way up to $9 a month. Um, and so the other part of that, you know, what drove that product change was the idea that so many folks love their mission. Um, they would literally write to us saying that they want to be clients, but some of them couldn't because they're in an industry where they can't 
sign up with another uh, investment account. Um, but a lot of them just weren't ready to invest or didn't feel like they were ready to invest. So by offering this whole suite, we help women get to a place where she can start investing um, often sooner than she thought she could. And it's so smart because when there's uncertainty, I think information is one of the most important things. And so people were probably gravitating toward that new service as soon as you launched it. Yeah. Josh, how about you? What's this year been like for Grammarly? Yeah, I don't think we're unique in that it's been an interesting one, right? There's a lot of change this year. And especially when the pandemic hit, first and foremost was how does it affect our people and our team members, right? We want to make sure that we can continue to make sure that everyone feels safe. Um, as well as employed, obviously, and then um, make sure that we can provide for our users. So once we had that all sorted and kind of handled the shift to remote, the focus was really about how we can support our users, since people do actually rely on Grammarly more now in this type of remote environment where asynchronous communication and writing in general is so prevalent, right? There's so many businesses that did everything in person now are just forced to write things down and communicate over email, Slack, you name it. Um, and so with that, we had to invest really heavily in growing our team to support that and the increased usage, as well as investing in our product to make sure that the value that we have stays, but we continue to add on that um, based on the needs of people moving online now. Um, and then lastly, and a big part of it as well, and kind of ties back to the people in our team, we want to make sure that we invested in our local communities to make sure that we could help wherever possible. So part of that was we offered our team-based product to all nonprofits around the world free of charge for the whole year. Um, so we've had thousands of institutions come on board with that. And then lastly, making financial donations wherever possible in Canada, US and Ukraine, where we have our offices. That's awesome. I saw somewhere that Grammarly just passed, is it 30 million active users? Am I getting that number right? Yeah, 30 million daily active users. Crazy. And last year was like 10 million or something. So you, you guys have just blown up. Now, uh, can you walk through the the business model? Because I think a lot of people have probably used Grammarly or tried it as a free plugin. How do you monetize something when it starts off as free like that? Yeah, great question. So little known fact about Grammarly that most people aren't aware of is that we we're actually a paid product when we started 11 years ago. Oh. It was mainly around the, the ed tech market and then kind of grew out into folks buying it themselves. And we made the conscious choice in 2014 to actually flip that paid model that we had been running that had been profitable and we were doing well with and go with the freemium approach, which at the time was a little radical, right? It's like, why would you take something that's working and just fundamentally change it? And so moving to freemium, the main reason why for us, and I'm sure it applies for many others, is just the reach that you can have. And that reach is really a dual-sided benefit in that the more folks you can offer your product to, the more you can learn from them, which means the more you can improve the product, which then improves the value for those users. So it creates this kind of virtuous value loop that allows us to continually improve on our product which makes it better for our existing users and more likely to tell others to use it. And it just keeps getting better and better over time like that. And I guess that assumes that the free user is the right target customer to be a paid customer. Whereas some companies might try to give something away for free that their target customer would never buy. Right. So you've got to have that pretty dialed in. Yeah, for sure. In the early days, I wasn't at Grammarly back in 2014 when we made that initial split. Um, but I'm aware of how we're doing it now. And basically, like understanding what are the table stakes that everyone is going to need and want in the product and the free version is super important. We really took our time with that, it took years even yeah. um, to divvy that out. And then that changes over time too, right? As the market changes, industry expectations, what people want in a product. Um, and then as well, I would say that, yes, it's important to look at your freemium user base as folks that you can monetize, but it doesn't mean that 
those that don't, don't provide value to my point earlier, right? Like usage in the product is huge. It helps you understand what's working, what isn't, what maybe should be monetized, that isn't, what maybe something that is monetized that shouldn't be, um, and really provides that test ground. So if you look at us with the 30 million users that we have now on a daily basis, we can have hypotheses and test them across a percentage of our entire user base, and that's 300,000 folks. That's very statistically significant, as opposed to, let's say, my previous company where you have hundreds of users and to get anything that you can really glean insight from that isn't like really anecdotal is pretty tough. Um, so there's that advantage yeah. side to it as well. Yeah. Okay. So Cameron, Margaret, I'm curious if either of you ever tried free or a try before you buy scenario, because I think it's something a lot of us are thinking about. We've thought about it with Trainual. There is this increased interest in testing things, trying things. Um, how have you thought about this? Margaret, do you want to go? Yeah. So, um, we, we definitely offer lots, uh, a lot of parts of our platform for free. So there's a lot of content. We have three newsletters that go out a week um, and that is all free um, as well as certain webinars, as I mentioned. We also, um, it previously when we were just um, offering the investing platform, you could actually go online and put in your information and get a free um, financial plan or investment plan. Um, it's really just when you actually move your money over and we start to manage it that we um, that we started to charge on that. So you know, there's definitely this huge community and we're very big on social as well uh, where we start to learn from them get feedback from them understand what they they are looking for it's a great r d thing if nothing else right you're, you're learning exactly. so much how about you cameron yeah we definitely used um not quite a freemium model but we do what we call a test drive so we allowed people to pay to come to one event instead of buying in for the whole year and if they liked the one event then they could join for the year but what we did instead of a freemium model was we gave them a 10x guarantee and we said that if they didn't get at least 10 times their investment by coming to one of the co alliance events we'd give them their money back and then now i just extended it to the entire year so now i've said join us for the whole year come to a, the three-hour monthly events for the entire year be a part of the slack channel for the entire year be a part of my membership for the entire year if at the end of the year you haven't generated at least 10 extra return i'll give you your money back even though you've been there for the full year and we've been doing it now for four years no one's taken us up on it but it's really given people the confidence that um, they'll get their money's worth and then we're just trying to prove to them at every event that you're not only getting it for the year but we're going to give you 10x your value at each event so really you're going to get 100x return on your investment wow that's a powerful guarantee well it doesn't cost me anything right because it's a pure gross margin business it's not like i'm selling furniture that i have to return if they don't like the furniture right it's purely a service play so if I really believe in the product, then I'll give you, and the reality is if they're not enjoying it, I don't really want them as a member anyway. Right. Right. When I was doing solo consulting and it was just me, I would reach out to prospects and offer them $500 if our coffee meeting didn't give them a ton of value. And so it was the same thing. It was like, well, uh, he's going to pay me 500 bucks to go gra grab coffee. And they got to decide at the end of the meeting and no one ever made me pay them. So well, I had someone the other day offer to buy me coffee for my time. And I said, dude, you, my hourly rate is so much higher than a cup of coffee. I'll just do a call with you. But you know, you're we're good on coffee. <laughs> right. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review or share it with anyone in your network that you think could use this information. If you wanna connect with me personally, please text me 480-531-8000.
8411 or connect with me anywhere on social at Chris Ronzio. Or you can connect with Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. See you next time.